I'm your host, Lisa DeLay, and you are listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. This is Soul School, Lesson 144. Before I get into the lesson today, I wanted to remind you that Christmas is coming soon, and one of the things that you can give yourself for a Christmas present, or you can tell your friends and family that you would like, is a reset, is some soul care, some sustenance for your spirit. I'm journeying with other people this June to New Mexico, and we're going to be doing some soul care and some spiritual companioning and a visit to the Chamayo ancient sacred site where people pilgrimage to, often if they're from New Mexico. More on that later. First, I will get into what I'm going to do today. Today, I'm going to read from a book called Living in Christ's Presence, Final Words on Heaven and the Kingdom of God. Some of this book was pulled together by Gary Moon, and it has to do with a dialogue, some interviews with John Ortberg and Dallas Willard shortly before he died of cancer in 2013. I'll tell you a little bit about who John Ortberg is and who Dallas Willard was, in case you don't know who they are. John Ortberg is the senior pastor at Menlo Church in California. He's written a number of books, and he's on the board of trustees for, for the Dallas Willard Center for Spiritual Formation and the board of trustees at Fuller Seminary. He has a Master's of Divinity and graduated from Wheaton College with a degree in psychology. And Dallas Willard is one of my favorite writers on topics of spiritual formation. He was a professor in the School of Philosophy at UCLA. He began teaching at USC in 1965 and was the director of the School of Philosophy from 1982 to 1985. He taught at the University of Wisconsin in Madison and he had visiting appointments at UCLA and the University of Colorado. Renovation of the Heart was published in May 2002 and received the Christianity Today Book Award in the category of spirituality. He served on the boards of the C.S. Lewis Foundation and Biola University and wrote many fascinating books that people still enjoy today and served as a kind of spiritual director to a lot of people, including many pastors. Some of the dialogue between John and Dallas really point to some things I thought were invaluable to share about the soul and who we really are as whole people. So I'll go back and forth speaking as John and as Dallas, starting from page 129. John, what would you say if someone is discouraged, ready to give up because they feel that change will never happen? Dallas, first I would want to sit with them and listen to them and help them understand why they are saying what they're saying. My experience is that you don't have to go very far with that until people begin to see a light. You have to listen to people. We don't do enough listening. We think too highly of talking at people. We need to listen more. As we listen, we begin to perceive the roots of their behavior and find out why they are so discouraged. Then there's an occasion to teach in that context, to teach not just by laying the truth out for them, but by saying, 
Now, why don't you try this? My vision of spiritual direction, which is not an educated one, just one that comes out of my experience, is that the spiritual director primarily helps people find ways of responding that will bring them in touch with the saving grace of God where they are. You suggest things for them to do, and then you come back and talk with them about that. That's how learning actually goes. It has been my privilege to watch this in the lives of many people, often ministers. They are put in touch with reality that delivers them. It pulls them and gives them hope. The hopelessness comes out of trying what is hopeless over and over again. As a young Baptist minister, I became conscious that the best people in my congregation were the ones who felt the most guilty and would come and rededicate themselves if I put a little pressure on them. You know, as a Baptist, you can't get saved again, but you can rededicate yourself an endless number of times. They felt better if they did that, but that didn't solve their problem. Sorry to inject so much of myself into it. This is one of the things that really turned around my idea of how you minister to people. I realized I was not saying anything that was helping these people. That meant I wasn't actually helping them get into the things that were defeating them. That's the key in all of these matters. You listen to people. You try to discern. Of course, this is spiritual work, not just being clever. It involves intelligence and application. You listen to them and you help them see why they're failing. John. Sometimes people say spiritual discipline sounds like a purely human activity. You find out that somebody wrestles with gossip. And so if they practice silence, that might help them not to have to gossip so much. But it's not clear. Or they'll ask, where is the spirit in that? Isn't that just human activity? Dallas. Well, it certainly is a human activity. Everything that goes into religious life is a human activity. Going to church is a human activity. All human activities are designed to meet the grace of God. For example, the practice of silence can help you realize that you don't stop breathing when you stop talking. John, when you say all human activities are designed to meet the grace of God, do you mean all spiritual disciplines or just human activity generally? Dallas, all human activity generally, but when you come to spiritual disciplines, you have a special case with special needs that are being addressed, but they're all designed to engage the grace of God. We are built for that. That's what our creation was about. That's what our work life is and our family life is, activity that meets the grace of God. John, say a little more about the soul. There is so much mystery around that one. And you've said that sometimes if we're really quiet, the soul will come out. How do you know when the soul has come out? What if the soul comes out and I miss it? Dallas, I think that's a good question because you're probably certainly going to miss it if you approach it in an attitude of anxiety. That's why the spiritual disciplines standardly give us indirection. That is, we don't try to find the soul, 
but we practice something that allows the soul to make itself known. The soul is experienced as a kind of inner force. I like to compare it to an inner river that pulls everything in our world together and makes our experience one life. When the soul isn't functional, our experiences are shattered, conflicting, set against one another. We don't have integrity. How do you know when your mind is showing up? Well, my experience. Now I'm thinking. Now I'm feeling. Now I'm choosing. All of these dimensions of the self are learned by experience. For the soul, we need people who can speak to us with some degree of experience and intelligence about it. We learn to wait on the soul and on God to come with the soul. One of the things that happens in solitude and silence is you discover you have a soul. For many people, that's a big deal. They don't know they've got one. Their life isn't based on a sense of unity. Jesus asks a provocative question, which in English is translated, what can a man give in exchange for his soul? That's found in Mark 8:37. What does it mean for your soul to be lost? It means that your life doesn't have a center that organizes your activities. You can't have that center until it returns to God and God restores the soul. People can help. Some have a ministry that is basically a soul ministry. A lot of what goes under the name of inner healing and healing prayer is soul work. It nearly always involves waiting for the Lord to make a context in which we can begin to be honest with what's in our soul. That's not a satisfactory answer, but that's about the best I can do. John, that's wonderful. How did you become aware of the fact that you have a soul? How did it happen for you? Dallas, well, basically, through the realization that I was not a whole person. There was not an organizing principle that was drawing everything together and making me a whole person. Then I began to experience something of God's work in that direction in my life through some confession and some ministry by people who knew what they were doing with this. I began to discover there was a dimension to myself that I had not suspected. Jane was part of this after we were first married. We had some experiences with ministers who worked with people who were in desperate need of soul restoration. So it's a path of experience. You become aware of it. You become aware of yourself as being part of a larger world. Confession actually is very important to discovering your soul. It's one of the disciplines that really can be revolutionary because it goes so deep into the unity of the person. Essentially, when you confess, you give up splitting the self. So when you sin, you own up to what you are. John, when you sin, you are always splitting yourself? Dallas, sin always splits the self to some degree, yes. You know that you have harmed yourself and others, but you probably are not going to come to terms with that because you're carrying on a charade of righteousness, even if you don't believe it. So confession is very deep in the process of discovering the soul. John, is that part of why when churches experience the spirit heavily, when there's revival, confession is one of the first signs of it? Dallas, 
It's nearly inconceivable to me that you can have genuine revival without confession because the breaking of the hindrance and the saving of face that goes into the charade of ordinary living is what has to be left to fall on the floor. I hope you enjoyed that snippet, that little excerpt. And I recommend this wonderful book that also has DVD companions to it and a discussion guide in the back. It's great for small groups. It's called Living in Christ's Presence, Final Words on Heaven and the Kingdom of God. I will put a link to this book in the show notes. And uh, I urge you to go to patreon.com forward slash spark my muse and check out the show notes. And also, I want to tell you that mine is a ministry of soul work. And that's what's going to happen at Sacred Spaces in New Mexico in June, June 5th through 7th, 2020. I hope that you might consider going to that and joining with me and a few other people who are going to go there to the high desert and have plenty of time for reflection, relaxation, and silence and solitude where we can confess, we can become whole, and we can do our soul work. It's very important for us to become whole as we unite with reality and allow God to do God's work in us and through us and together. So I hope that you might consider the words of Dallas Willard as you consider coming with us to New Mexico, or perhaps considering how to become a whole person and work on your soul in your life. What would you give in exchange for your soul? Thank you so much for joining me this week. As I reflect on Thanksgiving this year, I'm very thankful for the people in my life who are close to me, who have revealed where I am broken and in need of confessing. I'm very thankful to my listeners who listen week after week and the people who financially support this show or pray for me and pray for my writing as I write my book for Fortress Press and all the work I'm trying to do with Soul School. It's my hope one day that I can have a place where people can come on retreat and I can care for their souls, walk with them, spiritually companion with them. And I hope that that vision, that dream can become a dream that some of us dream together and that is actually God's dream. I'll leave you with some homework today for Soul School that you consider what might need to be confessed in your life so that you might be made whole. And I'll see you again next week. God bless you.